the five blokes. Welcome back to another episode of the five blokes. I'm here with myself and three blokes. So we have Seth, Evan, and Nathan, and myself, Nima, I'll be your host. So let's go ahead and just jump right into it. Um, I want to give a little bit of time for for everyone to kind of reflect um, and maybe for, for Evan and Nathan force them to reflect on their teams. And, uh, and you know, we'll we'll go over scores for this weekend, but um, we can start with Nathan. Nathan, let's go ahead and jump into it. So Chelsea uh, losing to Manchester City. It was a good game, but unfortunately they lost 1-0. Um, thoughts uh, overall? Do you think they're in still out of the Premier League race? What do you think? Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I conceded the race last week, so <laughs> it's just not, <laughs> it's not new, new information. Um, the game against City was just a game that kind of pointed out something that Chelsea lacks um, a lot, which is a long pass in midfielder. I mean, the midfield was very congested, but there weren't any balls that were played over the top, and even the commentators kept saying it over and over again, and Chelsea doesn't have any of of those. We don't have any long long um, passing midfielders, so it was very uh, glaringly obvious. Um, the other thing was that, you know, I mean, City... City's team is built in a way that like plays as a team and everyone's satisfied because everyone just gets to play enough games. But also, if you have a player like like De Bruyne, it's it doesn't matter. Like they, he could just turn it on at any moment and be be phenomenal. I think that strike looks like a like a like a De Bruyne strike, but really, um, it, it seems very technically difficult, like to just be running and just kind of still lift the ball around a player into the corner like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, Chelsea played like what I thought they would against them. There wasn't a lot of chances created, and the chances that were created were just wasted. Lukaku had this really good chance that he he missed, uh, and the follow up was just as horrible. I still hate. Um, Alonso with everything in my bone. Um, yeah, it's just it's just a toasty performance against City. The good thing is that Chelsea is still competing in other competitions, so I, I find some hope in that. But when it comes to the league this season, I, I there's no way City's not dropping thirteen points. <laughs> like there's no way to drop thirteen points in seventeen games or however many games are left. So yeah, that's that's how I felt. Um, Congratulations to City for picking up a trophy again. Evan, let's go to you. What are your thoughts about Manchester United? Oh, where to even begin? There's no new manager boost like you would expect when Ollie came in, what was it, three years ago? We won 14 games in a row. One of those included beating PSG in the Champions League. We can't even, we played, we can't even beat Aston Villa. It's honestly a good team, though. I mean, look around their squad, that's actually well-made-up team, but Ralph, Ralph Ragnick, his whole philosophy is pressure, 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 4-2-2-2. Uh, that system works. He had a lot of success when he's dealing with 18 to 23-year-olds who have no clout, essentially, and will do whatever he tells them. But when you got superstars, it's hard to make them just play 
at the level that he wants in terms of just pressing all the time and that. So we ended up changing the system that he never did. I never thought we kind of was a four, two, three, one. Um, the first 20, 30 minutes, it looked like all us. We were doing well against Aston Villa. Villa looked a little nervous. Of course, Martinez, you know, we had a lucky goal. Most goals are errors by somebody, but, uh, you know, when the goalie does it, it's super blatant and obvious. Um, and then Gerard, much as I hate to say it, you know, I respect him, but as a Manchester United fan, I don't want him to do well. He's a good coach, it seems like. Had a good halftime talk, and Aston Villa just completely dominated us in the second half. I don't know why, Ralph. We didn't make any subs until the 89th minute. I don't know what you expect anybody to do in the 89th minute, bringing on Sancho and Vanderbeek. And Ralph had the audacity to say, but when I brought Vanderbeek in, uh, we controlled the midfield. Bro, he had, he had a minute. I mean, if you put three passes together, it might look like we're doing something. I don't know. We just looked tired. Cavani didn't even touch the ball in the second half. It seemed, I don't know why he was on. It's just frustrating all around. When you look at our team on paper, you know, I know Ronaldo wasn't playing and Pogba wasn't playing, but uh, the names on our roster are just awesome. Veron, I thought Veron's been playing well, but when you got two fullbacks who can't defend whatsoever, you know, how much can Veron do to make up for that? No, I mean, it's just frustrating. Um, I, I can digress for 20, 30 minutes about this, but it's frustrating. Probably going to be no signings. I didn't really want any sign. I wanted to get rid of the dead weight and just focus in the summer, but it does kind of seem like we need something in the midfield. Um, well, we can, you I guys digress. have, what, the most expensive squad in the world now? Okay, let's, let's clarify something. Yeah, we have the most expensive squad in the world, definitely, but – when Manchester United comes calling, everybody's rubbing their hands together. Like, all right, we're going to boost this guy's price by 30%. Man United's going to pay for it. That's just how it is. I said in the group chat, if we, we were looking to get Trippier uh, from Atletico in the summer, but they wanted like 35 million for him. But for some reason, Newcastle can buy him for 15. So that doesn't make sense. So Man United, if we, if we bought Kepa for 70 million and feel like he sucked, which Chelsea did. We wouldn't have bought another goalie for another. We would have just dealt with it like we do. Same with City. They, they've bought six rounds of fullbacks. They can't seem to get that right. Uh, and also with the goalkeeper, Bravo. So it does look like, I mean, we are definitely on paper the most expensive player, but there's some context to it. But I think, um, I don't know. I, I, I think that's a, that's a pretty bad excuse. Like if somebody's overpriced, then don't buy them, right? Like the fact that that McGuire went for that they're, much for me, they're is not a, overpriced. Is... They're not overpriced. They would have gone for that. Uh, they would have gone for that at any of the big clubs in the world. So I don't think that that's overpriced. Like the McGuire argument, or whatever. I mean, whatever argument you want to make about any of the players doesn't matter. Like if if City, United, Chelsea, Liverpool, um, PSG, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Juventus. And I am going to put Arsenal in there, but not as much anymore. But I would say Arsenal and Tottenham to a certain extent. If any of those 11 clubs are buying a player, their value is inflated. So if you want to be within that that group of players, then I think you just have to pay the price of like being one of those inflated clubs. So I don't think that he's overpriced. He's only overpriced if he eventually were to go to somewhere else and it also be a one of those 10 clubs and he goes for significantly less. Um, otherwise he's not overpriced or the player is not overpriced in my opinion. So Kieran Trippier is a great example of the inflation argument because 
yes, he was 30, whatever, 35 million for United, but then uh, to go to Newcastle, who's in 19th, who arguably doesn't have that inflated price anymore, he only goes for 15. So like, I don't, I don't think that they're overpriced. I think, I think you just have to take risks on players and pay the price that any other of these top 10 clubs in the world would pay. And then uh, hope, hope for the best, just like anyone else does, even if they pay for a $15 million player, like uh, everybody has like a tier and, and anytime you're, you're buying players, I think they're just, they're going to be inflated like that. Yeah. It's all about the name because Newcastle definitely has the money. Everybody can see that those owners have more money than any other club combined. So it's just the name. Yeah, it's just yeah. players that work right. out. I mean, it's just play, it's players that work out or don't work out. Like it doesn't matter. Um, I guess how much you pay for them that much. I don't know. It, 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 in retrospect, you think like, wow, they, they paid $100 million for Harry Maguire and it hasn't really worked out. But like, if it had worked out, then everyone would be like, oh, he's Van Dyke. Yeah. He's the best player in the world. Like, he, he should have gone for more money, like, if that had been the, the route that it had yeah, gone. Yeah, but, so but none of us was really – praying for the best. Right. So, none yeah, of us Nathan, Nathan has a point. About, Nathan has a point, yeah. yeah. Not everyone, not a single person thought that Harry Maguire is worth more than sixty million. So Evan is right that there's some inflation tax on that. Also, it's not because of just the United name; it's just because of the poor management of United in total over the years. People are just looking at them like a payday. Like I used to make this joke about Arsenal being a retirement home for Chelsea players. That literally was the mindset. Like they'd be like, "Okay, I need to finish my career, but my family lives in London." So I'll just go to Arsenal because they would pay me the same amount. They would pay me at Chelsea and just stay there for a couple of years and retire. Like that people are just looking at the team's decisions over the past couple of years and then deciding to go there. So if United calls, they're going to pay you 350000 a week. They're terrible. I'm in Ajax. I've won whatever I have to win in, in, in Netherlands already. And maybe Champions League is not a huge deal to me. Fine, I'll go to United. Maybe we'll win. Maybe we won't, but... I got paid 350 a week. So it's more of the trend of transactions than it is just the name. Obviously, the name adds a little bit to it, but I think players are looking at how much teams are spending. The team is spending, and the team's also looking at how much they've been spending and just saying, okay, fuck it, let's go. Let's just go over to this place and get a little bit more. So, And then real quick on McGuire, just defending him a little bit. Last year, we got second and lost in the Europa final. Maguire was injured. We would have won if he was there. He was good last year, not $80 million good. This year, I mean, worse <laughs> than worse. I mean, he's, he's directly uh, resulted in, like, 15 goals, like his error. And How old is uh, he? Uh, that's unacceptable, and he's the captain. But I just want to say I, it, it's a really bad year. I think he'll overcome it. Definitely not going to be worth $80 million but he's going to be solid in the back for years to come. <laughs> How old is McGuire? 28. 27, I think. 27, okay. Well, he's he he's like, mid-late 20s, I think. Yeah, Yeah. he, he has enough prime. time to turn it around. Yeah. Okay, and so um, this, I just want to make this point before we turn it over to Seth. Uh, I think this is the first time ever since we started the podcast where um, – Chelsea and Man United were doing not as well as Arsenal, regardless of position on the board. I think net Chelsea have kind of gone down. United have gone down and Arsenal's on the up and up, which is uh, never happened before, I think. So as, uh, definitely not while I've been. Uh, never being, happened. I don't think so. Not, not, <laughs> as, long as, the, not as long as the podcast has been alive for sure. So um, 
Yes, this may not happen very often, but uh, I'll turn it over to you. How is Arsenal doing? Uh, well, hold on. So before we do that, I, I did think Evan's rant was kind of funny. All, all I could think of, because you talked about like the the, the, the prima donnas and everyone else on that team, is that uh, that that Vine or that TikTok of that guy, that Indian dude, who's like, there is no passion. There is no aggression. There is no vision in this club. That is all I could think about. And I was like, that is like a perfect, that is a perfect uh, analogy of, of what I'm hearing right now. And, uh, and it is funny, but uh, I, I, well, and and also to go back, uh, Chelsea got dominated by city. That was a pretty pathetic game. They had nothing (laughs) in my opinion. They, they had a couple chances here or there, but the whole game, Chelsea was losing that game. Uh, you missed the first 25 minutes. Like that, I did miss the first 25 minutes, but the first <laughs> minutes are irrelevant if it's nil-nil at the end of it. Anyway, but we, uh, we were going <laughs> to comment on that. Just to comment on that. No, I, I will say not that commenting on it. It was a 1-0 game. So, I mean, we knew it was going to be low scoring. We knew it was going to be a tough fight. I mean, I, I think that's unfair. I think going back to, to like, Lukaku should have should have had, I think I agree with Nate, uh, a goal maybe, but – I, I don't know. It was, it was Jack Grealish. Jack Grealish should have scored too. So yeah. I, I, there were chances on both sides. City, City, I think dominated that game. And uh, well, let me say this: City necessarily, maybe I don't want to say City dominated that game, but Chelsea's attacking presence was atrocious for the majority. I of mean, the yeah, game. but that's true. Uh, but the, Ziyech, they weren't able Ziyech, to. Oh Ziyech my god! Did I don't even. Ziyech did don't nothing. even. Pulisic don't even also get me started. really oh. not great. Pulisic really I, not great. Quick pause there. Well, quick pause there. Well, but but hold on, but hold on. And Lukaku, I, I will give Lukaku the only credit I will give Lukaku is his service was generally awful. He did have some chances, but even when he got the ball, it wasn't great. But for the vast majority of that game, his service, being the type of striker that he is, was atrocious. So yeah, blame some of the midfields. I, I actually blame their formation and their shape in that game, but. More, more than the, the personnel on the field. Uh, but I'll, I'll let Nathan, you go, since you wanted to pause and, and defend some of that game, it sounds like. Or maybe not. Yeah, maybe I'm just, you just want to pile it on. I do want to pile it on. Over Last year, I said, and it was right around the Champions League, and I said, hey, we don't start Pulisic for a specific reason. That guy cannot start games, okay? He takes advantage of tired people and does his best work. That's when he's most effective. He cannot start games effectively and yesterday was like the glaring obvious um sample of that of that of that hypothesis like he just he's not a starter he's not a starter in a club like Chelsea maybe he's a starter on Newcastle that works for him but like at Chelsea he can't start games and that doesn't mean he's not effective when you bring him on he's actually the best when you bring him on when players and defenders are a little bit tired and a little bit more um, off of their game. That's one. And two, I think, I don't think I'll use the word dominated, but I do think City did outplay Chelsea. I do think that the main reason for that is because they just had a better, we had two midfielders to go against their three. And when you have two midfielders. I would say they're four. I would say they had four midfielders. That's why, that's why I think the shape is what let Chelsea down. But yeah. Yeah. They always play that shape. They always do play that shape. Yeah, and I think I think Tuchel probably should have gone with a four three three, which has worked. Maybe in cup games, you don't really count it much, but um, that would have been much more effective against City than he did a three four three. But again, 
German managers are very stubborn. I mean, last year we. I don't. Called I don't even think. I don't even. This. I don't even think that was a three-four-three. I think that was a five-two-three. That. Uh, well, City was uh, was was piling on a lot, so it was difficult to kind of get out of your five to a three, because they were just I, I mean, on you the whole time. That's fair, but I that that's I. <laughs> If 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 your three four three looks more like a five two three, then there's a problem. So that's where I think that that's where I think it all fell fell off. And that's why I say they had four midfielders against their two midfielders, like Conte and Kovacic. There's only so much you can do if it's if it's four on two in the midfield the entire game. They got obliterated. They had no chance. It felt like the whole game. They ne- they really didn't win the midfield except for very scarce chances or moments of brilliance from Conte from what I saw in terms of like taking the midfield. And that's just relying on one player who happens to be one of the best like defensive midfielders in the world. So I think part of it is just City's midfield outplays most teams, including Chelsea's midfield. I think Chelsea's weakest point is, yeah, right. I think Chelsea's weakest point, and I think Nathan would agree with this, is the midfield. Like, Conte should be way more dominant than he is, but I think part of that is he doesn't have the right players around him. And Nathan, I think, kind of alluded to this earlier on. And so I think Conte ends up doing a lot more than he should be doing. Like, he shouldn't he shouldn't have to cover the entire midfield. Like, Kovacic is, is fine. He's not a bad player. But, like, when you're going up against, like, Bernardo Silva, De Bruyne, Foden, like these kinds of players, like, ah, it's, it's just, it's not really, it's not it. And I think there's, credit there's to, only so much you can do. Yeah, for sure. But credit to Tuchel, because remember he went in last year and beat city twice within the span of like, what, a week or two. Um, yeah. And one of them was the champions. He League beat them final. three times so, in six weeks. Yeah. So, I mean, like credit to him because like, yeah, like it didn't work out this time, but they only lost one zero. And maybe, maybe they, I, I wouldn't say dominated like Seth said. I definitely wouldn't say just outplayed. I would say it's somewhere in between the two. But I would also say that just as easily, I think if had Lukaku had taken his chance, it could have turned around and been too long. Um, but it could have I, also been at, at, four zero. At no, at no point watching that game, I do recognize I missed the first 20 minutes. At no point watching that game did I feel like Chelsea were the uh, favorites to win. And that's well, all 70 that, minutes. The first 20 minutes that, they were. Well, then they missed out Lukaku, on 70 Lukaku minutes of, of time. Lukaku passed. Who was offside? Oh, yeah. it was so and it was, he should have just shot. And City did not out, uh, dominate Chelsea at all. Chelsea had three attacking players that were atrocious that day. And they just couldn't find Lukaku, and Lukaku couldn't finish. That was it. I thought they defensively in midfield they did everything they wanted to do and they had plenty of opportunities to score and they just couldn't yeah. fair enough well okay well uh, other than that the uh i didn't i mean i didn't really care about the united game that much other than it was good to see that the games in hand like didn't do much <laughs> uh so <laughs> arsenal are still in pretty good shape pending arsenal actually get to play then uh, against tottenham here then we'll be in much better shape uh I hope that Granit Xhaka never plays again after the Liverpool game. Uh, apparently the team plays better with 10 people without Granit Xhaka than they do with him on the field. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Arsenal, they're just continuing the trend upwards. I hope we get through January as quickly as possible so that we can get Pepe, Aubameyang, uh, Elneny, and Partey back uh, as quickly as possible. But otherwise, yeah, I just got to push forward for now. I already talked about it. I don't think the game should have been postponed based on the conditions that I saw, but 
it, it benefits me in the long run. So I won't complain too much, but I don't think it should have been postponed. Yeah. And I think that's, that's well said, Seth. And I think um, you probably could have been a little bit more arrogant and kudos to you for not being arrogant, but I guess it's only, you know, January. So uh, yeah, yeah, don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess, uh, you know, that's kind of touched on something that, that I think we should talk about, you know, there have been, there have been a number of reports basically saying like, like Bayern, right. And the Bundesliga. Now I'm going to preface this with it's Bayern in the Bundesliga, but they fielded a team um, and, you know, they were definitely COVID ridden this past week and, and, you know, probably will be for a, a little bit going into the future, but they actually had um, basically a full bench of players who had never started before, let alone, or excuse me, let alone, played rather than, uh, excuse me, I can't talk today, who have not started, let alone played in a game. And so um, I think like going into those thoughts, uh, Nathan, we'll swing it back to you. How do you feel about, you know, these comments? Do you think players should be, if they can put together a team, even if it's a team of like very young players, do you think they should be, you know, required to, to put out a team and play? Or do you think, you know, if X number of players, if, if 10% of the squad has COVID, then it should be, you know, you should be allowed to ask for a forfeit. Um, and I know you have thoughts regarding Chelsea versus other teams. So feel free. Yeah. Um, I don't particularly swing one way or the other. I just want some consistency. Like if we're going to cancel games because players are unavailable because of COVID, then we should cancel games for everybody. Or we should just let everybody play for it. If everybody's going to play for it, then... Obviously, City has not had any cases, so they're, they're going to be fine. But United, Arsenal, Chelsea, West Ham, Tottenham, everyone's had cases, and everyone's gotten games canceled except for Chelsea, and it sounds like I'm complaining, which I am. But it, it, shouldn't, like, it shouldn't be like that. It's either for everybody or not for everybody. I personally do think that you come into a season with an idea of what your team is supposed to be like, and you plan around that tactically and you you just you just have this thing set for your team. So I'm sure at the beginning of the season, Klopp was like, all right, AFCON players are going to be gone at this point in time. I'm going to plan for this. These players are going to start during that period of time. You come to a season with that. So if the season is interrupted by something that you then, because injuries are a part of the game. So that's not, if you're losing players because of injuries, you still have to play. But COVID is is unprecedented. So I do think that if your team's being ridden by COVID, you shouldn't have to play at all. Um, And and I think maybe the Bundesliga just thinks that Bayern is too powerful, so that's a way to knock them down or whatever. But in England, I don't think it's fair to have teams play it because not only is it just not having the players, but the players who are also playing right now could be exposed as well. Like, there's no real way to determine the the long-term effects of it. And there was an interview that um, um, Tuchel did after, I think, the Aston Villa game, where when Lukaku came on and assisted and scored, where he was like, you know, Lukaku had COVID, like he just got out of quarantine two days ago and he had to come play today. And we, we don't know what the long-term effects of COVID is. So why are we not thinking of even maybe possibly taking a break or creating a bubble or something like that to make sure that the players are okay. So we're, the management of COVID and COVID cases and how it affects teams has been very, very terrible all across the board. But 
the worst thing is that it's not consistent. Some teams are getting breaks and others are not. Like Arsenal not being able to fill players is that shouldn't be the FA's problem. You have one COVID case, figure the rest out. You have a big squad for a reason. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that answered the question, but I have a lot of feelings about this. No, if I we had it, I think it... games postponed, like December would have not have been terrible. <laughs> like yeah. Pretty much the exact same as what Nate's saying. You would like just a little bit of fairness all around how you treat one club, we treat the others. Um, pretty much all aspects of life everywhere and every hierarchy you can think of, COVID has been mismanaged pretty poorly. We can see that, but I mean, a novel virus must be worn alive during the last worldwide pandemic. So, but you think we'd have people in place that could uh, manage these things better, at least consultants and what have you. So it's unfortunate that some clubs are treated differently than others. Um, and what you just touched on, Nima, I mean, incubation period of the virus is anywhere from zero to 14 days. So you won't even experience symptoms possibly for two weeks after exposure. Usually it's three to five days, but uh, what have you. Yeah, it's just unfortunate. Um, in terms of getting games canceled, it should only be due to COVID reasons, not your players are on international duty or injuries, because if there wasn't a pandemic, that would have happened anyway. I, I agree. The yeah, I, I would summarize by just saying if it's I think games can be considered for postponement if they are due to factors outside of, of your normal soccer competition. So yeah, a, a global pandemic, the worst of which for a hundred years is, is one of those things, but players get injured. Players go off to tournaments. I mean, AFCON is, it happens every, every, every so often, just like these other tournaments do on the same cadence, you can plan for them. You have big rosters for a reason. That's the reason the reason City has a roster that's 5,000 people deep of 100 million plus players uh, is because injuries happen. So all the other factors you can plan for, they're all part of the business. They've been part of the business and part of the game of soccer for hundreds of years. If there are factors outside of that, then I, you can consider that. But I don't think you can aggregate factors outside of that with factors that you can prepare for in order to postpone games. That's yeah. where it comes in. Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's super fair. Um, and, and you, again, touched on the other thing I wanted to talk about. So AFCON has been going on, uh, I think it's what, maybe a week into the competition, maybe a little bit more. Um, and so obviously big players, you know, Arsenal's missing a good number of players, Liverpool, uh, Mendy's out for Chelsea amongst, you know, uh, the list goes on and on. So we'll go in the reverse order, start with you, Seth. Um, you know, it's tough to tell because it hasn't been, you know, that long since the players left. But, but who do you think are, are going to be happy to get their players back the most of, especially the, the big team? That's the easiest question I've ever been asked in my entire life. Uh, well, when the best player in the world right now is off playing at AFCON and that team is fighting for a title, uh, that, that, that is the team that wants their player back the most. So uh, I don't know if if Egypt gets out if like Salah hops a flight home early or not or if they uh, oh, traditionally sure. <laughs> stick around. But uh, I I think every Liverpool fan right now is is hoping that Egypt does well, but at the same time hoping that Egypt it, I, either they win it or they lose in the first round, <laughs> so that they can cannot feel bad about them losing and not supporting their player, but also so that they get as much time with Salah as possible. So. It's, it's obviously Liverpool with Mohamed Salah. And then you compound the fact that 
their second best player, arguably their second best player. Jota is probably up there, but arguably their second best player, Mane, is also there. So, and it is, we've talked about it before, it's far easier to create than it is to destroy. So a lot of teams that have defenders on, on, on this tournament or have midfielders on tournament, unless they're those highly creative players, they're going to impact their team a lot less than them missing out uh, unless they are absolute world-class. So it's Liverpool is impacted the most. I would argue Arsenal's really not impacted all that much with the exception that Thomas Partey has been playing pretty, pretty well. But other than that, the only other impact I could see would be Chelsea with Mendy. But yesterday with Kepa, I don't think Mendy would have changed that game from what I saw. I think Kepa did a pretty yeah, good job. Well, I think, I think they did a pretty good job. Uh, I, I don't think it would have changed to get the outcome, but uh, and Chelsea's out of the race at this point anyway. So it doesn't, doesn't matter uh, for, for Chelsea anymore. But that's it. I, I don't know. Other, other than that, I'm trying to think of these other uh, of any other big teams. That's that's most of the prem. I don't think there's a lot of African players that play on like you know in at Bayern or play uh, for Barcelona or Real Madrid right now. I guess City have lost Mares for the month, but yep. again, City prepared very well. They have another two, three, four players that are all 100 million plus cost players. So. They, they knew what nice they when you have multiple multi-million dollar players like that, multi-hundred million dollar players. It's insane. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't think any of the top clubs are struggling except for Liverpool without without money and Salah at the same time. is That's a lot. Um, and you could kind of see it uh, when they played against Arsenal. But even that game, I don't think money and Salah both would have started. So it doesn't particularly um, matter. Today, they breezed by Brentford pretty easily, but Brentford is also kind of in a slump. So I don't know if that's a true um, testament to uh, the game itself. Um, I think the club that's actually hurting the most is Watford. They have like six African players. So they're, they're def- six starters who are African players. So they're, start- they're struggling. But other than that, the top four, I think everyone's going to be fine. I mean, um, Liverpool's just going to miss... Mane and Salah for another two games or a game, they'll be fine. They should be back just in time to pick up the the race for for the league. So, um, yeah, I don't I don't think it really has hurt. This is not in the mid two thousands. I I know Chelsea Chelsea definitely struggled without without African players because they had quite a bit. Like SCN would be gone, and that was like a big part of the Drogba, Drogba would be gone. Mekalele, no, Mekalele is French. Okay. Um, but yeah, they would miss they would miss a lot of players. So that this this time around, there's not a lot of African players. It was it was supposed to be ZH and Mendy, but obviously ZH is not good enough to play for his country, considering how he played yesterday. So there, there you go. There's not there's not really much much to say about that. <laughs> it's got to be Liverpool, just because two one of the two best players in the league. So they Mana and Salah. Uh, and they're fighting for the title, albeit probably title race getting close to being over. Mathematically still there, everybody. So hang your head tail high. But uh, <laughs> I didn't realize also just of note. I didn't realize till Seth said it that Arsenal have that many players out for Afcon. But um, it's got to be Liverpool. And then Nate bringing up Watford. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, they're fighting to avoid relegation, so that would be huge for them. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a good point. I think I think we can all agree that that you know Watford, 
Liverpool, and then probably Arsenal are the three I think most affected for all different reasons. Um, but yeah, Arsenal just, still just, be fourth. It doesn't matter. They would still be fourth. Like well, yeah, or, I mean, or sixth. Who the, knows? Well, that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. They, 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 it matters for them to get into the Champions League. It matters for Watford to not get relegated. It matters to Liverpool because they're quote unquote in the title race still. Um, I don't, we can still argue about this whole title race thing. If Liverpool live their win their next game, they're only eight points back. I know we said City right. have to drop three, 13 points, but that's thirteen points to Chelsea. Like eight points, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the, and they still have to play City. Like right. that's not totally unheard of. That's five. That's just yeah. Five. You can close it to five. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for so, sure. I, I, I mean, it's, wait, a, so it's an Liverpool, uphill, it's a uphill battle for sure. Liverpool. But yeah. I'm just saying, mathematically, Liverpool. it is like very, very feasible for Liverpool to win the title. I, Chelsea, I agree, they're done. But it's, yeah, it's just Liverpool done. City, and and Liverpool doesn't play City until the end of the season. So if City yeah. hypothetically yeah. drop, they would literally just if City if needs City, three draws, City then lost, it's over. Yeah, or or if they if they they're gonna have to lose a game probably. Um, it, it, City would have to lose a game before they end up playing Liverpool, which is not until the end of the year. But Man United's got you, Nima. Man United's got you. <laughs> it I would mean, be such a storybook ending, though, if United yeah, was the one to yeah, go. No, City. It would be great. It would be great. I think. I think the 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 problem I have is is they have to lose a game, and they don't look like they're going to lose a game. I mean, anything can happen. Uh, Liverpool well, look more likely well, to lose right now. I mean, they have to play. They have to play Tottenham. Tottenham and United are probably the only two teams that could beat them. So, and yeah. they still have to play those two. About, and then about, maybe Crystal Palace. Maybe. Have a they, shot. They play West Ham or Villa? Not before they play Liverpool. They play Wolves after they play Liverpool, and they play West Ham and Villa as the last two games of the season. So I would argue that, yeah, it's still possible after they play Liverpool, but you would really like them to, to lose that game before the Liverpool game happens. But they still yeah. have to play. They have to play every team with the exception of Arsenal and Chelsea that are in the top eight, it looks like, throughout yeah. the rest of the season. So they've, they've yeah, got opportunities it, to lose games. But it, they're, they're very good. They're awesome. very good, though. They are still very yeah, they are. good. They're very good. They're so, very wait, good. So does Liverpool have two Premier Leagues and the semifinal Carabao Cup before Salah and Mane come back? Uh, yeah. Or they just have... two games? So, no, they don't even have that. They have one Premier League game. Well, assuming that one. Salah is back for February 10th game against Leicester, I don't know back. exactly when AFCON ends. Then they and actually just have the Arsenal, the second leg of the Arsenal game and the Crystal Palace League game. And then I would imagine that Salah and Mane probably won't play in the FA Cup fourth round game against Cardiff City on February 6th. But with Leicester being a big enough game, I would imagine they would want them back for that. And that's on February yeah, 10th. I don't know what the, the one what the one Premier League is. game. Yeah, I don't know what the protocol is as far as um, when you come back. I'm sure you have to test, and I don't know. Hopefully not quarantine, but I really, I really don't know. Um, but then the other the other question I think is, um, you know, how I I don't know how far. Uh, I know Egypt are one of the favorites. I don't think Senegal are. If we could just get Mane back for for some of those games, I think it would be fuck and then fuck fuck the country's ambitions. <laughs> <laughs> like I I and I, I think what uh, Algeria is probably Algeria and Ghana. I think well uh, Ghana I know long Ghana's not Algeria. Ghana's not doing great. Say, Ghana's I not thought Ghana great. I thought Ghana was terrible yeah. nowadays. Yeah, Ghana was terrible, dude. Jeez, I, I that's where Thomas Partey is, though. Hey, we might get Thomas Partey back early. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, I, almost, just, I almost paid to watch it on Being Sports, and I was like, this is a waste of money. Yeah. yeah. So, that um, okay, and, and I'll just quickly recap some of the games from the uh, – going back to the 11th uh, on – until today and so uh brentford lost one four to southampton that was a makeup game uh west ham beat norwich two zero brighton crystal palace tied one one of course city beat chelsea one zero wolves beat southampton three one newcastle watford tied one one aston villa after coming back from a a two zero lead from manchester united actually from an assist and a goal from coutinho uh, ended up tying United 2-2. Liverpool beat Brentford 3-0 this morning. And in a really tight game, Leeds beat West Ham 3-2. And the only other one that I wanted to actually touch on was Norwich City actually had not scored. If I'm correct, they had not scored a goal in open play. Um, and they actually scored two yesterday, one of them being an own goal against Everton. Um, and so this morning we found out that Rafa Benitez, you know, has been in charge of Everton for about five and a half months and was sacked. Um, so I guess, uh, Evan, let's go to you for this one. Reactions, uh, who do you think that Everton will turn to? Let's, let's recall, um, you know, Everton were doing great last season. Uh, they, they had Ancelotti, they, they got um, Hamas Rodriguez. They were pretty hot. They were the team to beat. Calvert, uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin was scoring a lot of goals. He's been out. They've had other injuries like with Charleston. It does not look good for Everton. Uh, what do you think, Evan? Who are they going to turn to, and how is this going to turn around? Yeah, not surprised that they fired Benitez. You're 16th in the table. I know they've been absolutely uh, wrecked in terms of injuries. You know, with Carlson and Calvert-Lewin quality forwards right there missing them for a lot of time um that never helps your chances but when you're 16th in the table and you're everton well i think the only primarily the team that's never been relegated you gotta you gotta change things up um so i'm not surprised that they fired him in terms of who they're going to bring in i don't know because if you look at it i mean they brought in carlos ancelotti who coached pretty much everybody um that's a big name rafa benitez is a big name um there's not that many big names not on the market right now. That's why Manchester United didn't pick up anybody. So I think probably be someone like uh, the ex-Wolves in Tottenham, maybe, Espirito Santos. I don't know if he just wants to take a little sabbatical. He seemed pretty depressed from the Tottenham experience. Uh, maybe that will rejuvenate his career. Um, uh, so I, I, I think somebody like that probably might come in. Um, been pretty unfortunate, though, for them, just for the injuries and everything. And when you're likely, not likely, but close to being relegated in the danger zone, you know, that's scary for the fans and the club and the mentality of the players that makes it hard. But I, I, I would put my money on Espirito Santos. Yeah, no, I think Nuno is a, is a great shout for that job. I, I don't know. Everton's problems, pretty similar to old Arsenal problems, are not a coaching problem. Like it's it's a structure problem. They, they are not signing players that are working out, <clears throat> which I don't know if it's a scouting thing or it's because the players are just disciplining, but um, the players they're signing are not working out. And if you have a coach like Ancelotti who um, gives a lot of freedom to center mids and center attacking mids to just do whatever, and you have James Rodriguez, you're going to succeed. 
So that's why they were so good last year. Um, Rafa, I always thought that job was weird because he coached for Liverpool and I could only imagine how terrible his time there has been from just a psychological point of view. Like the Liverpool fans must have made his life so difficult. Um, and Everton just didn't seem like a right fit for the way he coaches. So it makes sense that he didn't succeed. Calvert-Lewin had been out for a while as well, who is their main striker. Um, so maybe that's a little bail for uh, Rafa on, on that end. Um, but I think Nuno would be great because he's really good at kind of galvanizing a bunch of individuals to do something specific. Yeah, when he was over at Wolves, most of those players were Portuguese, so it was a little easier. But I do think that he could do something with this with this Everton team because on paper, they're not a bad team. It's just they're not kind of clicking. And with the way Nuno coaches, I think he'd succeed, even though I do think Nuno should go back to Portugal and like coach for Benfica or Porto or something like that. That would be more a better fit for his coaching style. But this this would be a good interim um, thing. And I have, a, I have an Everton fan in my life, and his issue is that they keep hiring coaches who are just using the job as a stepping stone to the next thing or hiring coaches that are just going to fire in a year. But you can't do that if you don't have too much money to kind of patch over the systematic uh, systematic issues. So um, Nuno would be a good pick. I think I think he would do the job pretty well. Um, I can't think of any other coaches out there right now who would be both affordable and effective. But Nuno would would be good. Hopefully, he doesn't have a non compete clause in his contract from from Tottenham. Well, and uh, I think you touched on something super important. I think they've had since David Moyes left. Um, I think they've had 11 coaches in 11 years, um, which is, that's, that's terrible, I think, for, for a club like Everton. Um, and then finally, Seth, you've been through the most pain in recent years of, of all of us, so you can probably relate. What, what are your thoughts on, uh, on Everton's situation? <laughs> oh, how rude. Um, I have three words. Ollie Gunner Solshire. No, I'm just kidding. No, never, never. That'd be terrible, right? Uh, they do share yeah, coaches, Everton, and you know. I think their best bet is to get a coach that has that is tried and true in the Premier League, so at least has experience in the Premier League. So Nuno is a good pick. Uh, I, 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 I mean, I, I don't know how how often that is. I actually feel kind of bad for for him getting fired originally because uh, it, it seems like Rafa didn't have a lot of options like Calvert Lewin was injured most of the time Richarlison injured most of the time those were their two primary goal scorers all season long like we mentioned uh James Rodriguez is well past his prime uh, they, uh they, they've had Alex Wobey just left for AFCON they just sold Lucas uh, Lucas Dinier uh, I think Jordan Pickford was injured for a small part of the time so and and all of this happening in the midst of COVID, so I'm sure they've had sporadic two-week quarantines throughout the season of players who have been under the health and safety protocols stuff. So I feel kind of bad that they let him go. I don't care that they let him go because I don't care. He's a millionaire manager. He's fine. Like I would feel bad if he was like a new manager in the league, but it's Rafa Benitez. Like he, he's fine. But I, I do think that it's a little bit harsh to fire him at this stage. I also understand if they just simply want to see something different because they think they're going to get relegated, fine. But I, I, I just don't know how realistic that actually is. So uh, Nuno is a good pick. I, I, I think any, any of these things, there's actually a number of managers that are available right now. If I was a manager, I wouldn't take the job probably for another, like until we got near the end of the season. 
I, I, I think Everton probably just need to appoint a, a second coach manager or whatever, like, like uh, an assistant like coach to, to, to run things for now, uh, like Arsenal did with, uh, with uh, um, Lund, who was that, Lundberg. Um, they probably just need to do that because this is like a mess. Anyone who steps into this job is stepping into it, an absolute mess, which could be a benefit to them. But Ollie Gunner is available technically. Uh, Valverde is available. I'm just looking at the list right now. Uh, Frank Lampard is technically available. Nuno is available. Pirlo, Ronald Koeman, uh, all of those folks are all available. So they're all uh, options. They, they do seem to like to hire big name coaches. So who knows? Maybe, maybe they'll go out and get Ronald Koeman. I, I don't know. Wait, wasn't yeah, Coleman uh, was already there, right? He already coached no Southampton. He already coached Southampton. No, that's a terrible coach to pick right now. Also, not don't pick Lampard. Dude. That's not great either. Those players are he not actually young, did. No, it. you're right. You're right. He did coach Everton. I was wrong. He he, okay. he managed Everton uh 16 uh 2016, 2017. Yeah. yeah, so they won't hire no. him again, but they're um, definitely not should not hire him again. That would be a he was bad, one of the eleven coaches. Well, yeah. and, uh, I think it's hard to find a manager. It's hard to find a manager who's available who hasn't uh, managed Everton in the past ten years. Sounds <laughs> like yeah. Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, not not far off. Um, so, so I think it's worth mentioning. Uh, you know, at the table you have Burnley, who are dead last in. You know, they have eleven points. They've only played seventeen games. You have Newcastle, who's played twenty games, and they're at twelve points. You have Norwich City, who are 21 games in 13 points and you have Watford right above them who are at 19 games 14 points and then you have Everton 19 games 19 points I think the the interesting thing about the way that this table is is set up and and we can even go a couple spots higher let's do also Leeds 20 games in 22 points Brentford 21 games 23 points and then you're hitting Aston Villa 20 games 23 points so you know this sets up kind of interestingly because I think how tight everything has been um, in the Premier League this season it's it's leading to a lot of you know you win two games you jump you know if, if Everton were to win you know their next two games brings them to 21 games and they're now 25 points right under Leicester so they're sitting in 11th and so they would jump from you know 16th to 11th and so you know, these, these, it's a combination of everything being so tight and, you know, competitive, which is what we love to see. But then also there's, you know, Burnley's only played 17 games, whereas there, there are teams that have played, you know, 22 games. And so you're, that's a five game, you know, that's, that's 15 possible points that they're, that they're not saying they're going to win all those. They have one win in, in, you know, all the games they've played, but that's still a significant number of games left to play. So, you know, going into this last kind of kind of lightning round, I want to hear, you know, bottom three, who's getting relegated um, and, and dropping down the championship this year. And, I, and I'd like to hear kind of an explanation for how you're thinking about things. And we'll go ahead and start with Seth for this one. One thing I'll say that's weird. Burnley, although five games behind some teams, just sold their primary striker to another team that's in the relegation zone. So that was a strange move to me. But uh, I think bold claims here, everyone. Are you ready? Uh, Norwich will be relegated. They are a terrible team. They're probably going to get last place, actually, is my guess. So I'm going to put Norwich City in 20th. Burnley is going to make it into 19th place. 
They're also a bad team, also going to be relegated. And the fact that they sold Chris Wood, very strange to me. Maybe he was just, maybe, maybe they're going to sign someone in January that they think is going to replace him. I, but very strange. I don't know why they would do that. And then for the first time ever, Everton are going to be relegated. They're going to get 18th place and they're going to be in the championship next year. Boom. Bold claims. Newcastle will make it out. They'll be safe. Watford safe. Everton will end up dropping into relegation and it will be the first time in their history that they are not in the Premier League next season. So I like to make bold claims. Now you guys will go and make your boring claims. Have fun, everyone. <laughs> Before I get to that, wait, Carrick is available, right? So Everton could technically pick up Carrick. Yeah, they can pick up a really bad manager. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Carrick is undefeated as a coach. Just saying. So okay. Yeah. Well, so so am I. You're not though. You're not. I as a Premier League manager, I am an undefeated. I'm undefeated. Zero out of zero is undefined. Yeah. Yeah, you're undefined. Um yeah, I I I agree with two of Seth's picks, but I don't agree with the Everton pick. I actually do think Leeds is not gonna make it. Um, so I think Burnley and uh and Norwich are not going to make it. This is kind of a Norwich thing, though. They like to get bounced and bounce back. It's really mainly for the for the money. For I, don't the know, I, don't know, like... I don't know if they like it. I, I, I have a hard time saying that they like it. <laughs> but they've been getting bounced back and forth a lot. And I think it, it injects a lot of money into the club. So I don't know if they hate it. <laughs> I don't think they do. I think they're okay with that. So I think Norwich is going. And I do think Burnley's leaving, mainly because Chris left. Um he was kind of like the only <laughs> defining um, player over there, and they sold him over to Newcastle. So that that didn't make any sense when I read it. But, yeah, some people make terrible decisions. So Burnley's not going to make it. And I think Leeds isn't going to make it as well. And they're just going to sell all their best players for – like, they're going to sell all the best players when, when they make it to the championship for really cheap money, which will be good for a club like Chelsea to pick up Rafinha. Um, but, yeah. That I think those will be the three, mainly because I think Leeds has burned out. Like it's not even because they don't have talent, but the way they play over a two-year arc, like it, there's no way you maintain that if you're not swapping out new players to kind of fit the system. That they, they play a very high pressure, high pressing kind of game, and over two years, players will just burn out. Like, they, they just can't do it anymore. If you watch them play now, they're trying to play the same system they played two years ago, and it's not working, because the players are just burned out. So, um, that's what I think. I think Leeds is not going to make it for that. Burnley's not going to make it because Chris Wood left, and Norwich is not going to make it because they like the championship. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think uh, it would be interesting to do, like, a techno-economic uh, analysis to see what's more favorable to, to bounce between Such Premier League and Championship. What's Such that? a nerd. I'm a nerd. That's the there nerdiest is, there I've is, said. There is <laughs> no it. way. There's no way it's more economically valuable to bounce between leagues than to stay in the top division in the world. There's no way. I don't know, I don't know what the numbers look like. To whenever you get promoted, I know you get a uh, a big you get bump. Injection. You get a big yeah, bump. you get yeah. you get an injection. But then of course there's the the, you know, the rights with being telecasted and, and that's obviously uh, a significant, you know, injection too. So, yeah, honestly, I don't know. I'm sure, I'm sure the, the fans that they have, regardless of whether they're in the premier league or championship, they probably still go to the games. I don't know how many more people mm -hmm. would watch, you know, prem versus championship. Um, I think they're going to support them either way. I also think that, uh, you know, as far as 
you know, the, the idea of, of like, they, they love their team no matter what. And so like, whether you're in the Premier League losing, whether you're in the championship winning, that, that I think factors into, and it's probably good to see games, you know, being won than like losing five in a row. That's gotta be depressing. Um, but yeah, I, I, that's why I think it would be interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, last Evan, I'm curious to hear your three picks. Norwich is terrible, period. So they're going. Um, Leeds is staying up. Kwaku mentioned they can't keep that pace for two years, but the championship, I wouldn't say it's harder, but you're playing more teams. So they're playing more games every year. So, and they've been doing the same style for that whole time. So I don't think that's going to cause anything. They're going to stay. Everton's definitely staying up. For Carlson and Calvert-Lewin will come back eventually. And if you're getting one goal every four games, that's more than the bottom teams are getting. And just from those two guys. And I bet their return will be better than that. Everton's team is too good to be uh, relegated. So those guys are staying up. So I'm saying Norwich is relegated. Burnley, I think they will make up their games in hand. So they're okay. I think Watford will get relegated. And I think Newcastle will actually get relegated. I don't see them. What they they hired what Eddie Eddie Howe. He's won one game in ten. They've only brought in two guys, even though the money they have to spend, unless they have an amazing rest of January transfer window, they're going down. So Watford, Newcastle, and Norwich. Wow, that's I think that's a that's a bold call, Evan, for sure. And I'll I'll just go over mine really quickly. So. Um, probably the most boring and straightforward of the of the four so uh Burnley I think will although they have some games in hand they will not make it up enough to, to get out of that relegation zone Norwich you know just they, they don't have much going forward they've conceded 45 and only scored 10 goals in in 21 games which I think is truly that's truly horrible um and then I think, you know, when you look at the rest of the table, I think I have to agree, Evan, I think Everton's team is too good to get relegated. I do not think that they, you know, they may have a, a rough time and maybe get 16th or 15th. I don't think they're going to, they're going to not outperform someone like Watford. Um, and so I think, I think Newcastle, you know, it'll be interesting to see who they bring in this uh, transfer season. I think a lot of, it would be so weird to have that club owned by, you know, like people who are wealthier than all the Premier League teams combined or, or whatever the stat is, and they're playing in the championship. Um, it could happen, but I think I think highly unlikely given how much money they have and, and pull. Hopefully they'll bring some people in and, and bust out. And then I think, uh, yeah, it's got to be Watford for me. Um, they, they have been on a terrible, I think they have the worst run last five games of all 20 teams. They've lost four and tied one in their last five. Um, and that's not a great run. It's hard to bounce back from. And I think, you know, again, they, they have not scored a ton of goals. They, they've scored 13 in 19 and conceded 23. So definitely not the worst. But I think, you know, looking at their run and looking at what's, what's coming, you know, coming up next for them. Yeah, I'd be worried um, if I was a Watford fan. So I'd have to go with uh, Norwich, Burnley and Watford. So yeah, that is our show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I know Seth will be upset with me if I don't at least say something about the Etsy store. So feel free to go online, uh, grab some merch from the Five Blokes web, uh, web, Etsy uh, site. 
Uh, and yeah, thank you for listening and hopefully keep stuff coming, uh, you know, as Premier League kind of, you know, enters into the second phase of, you know, where we're going to solidify the top four and really see if Liverpool do have a chance to, to outbid uh, City for the title. Uh, hopefully we'll, we'll keep shows coming and, uh, and yeah, look forward to you guys joining us for future episodes of the Five Blokes. Peace. The five blows.